Hi, I'm Cassie Haynes. And I'm Jean Friedman Rudowski, co executive directors of Resolve Philly. Welcome to Resolved, the podcast series in which we talk about the things we are firmly determined to do and why. This episode is about practicing allyship. We wanted something that reflected our approach to how we build and invest in relationships, how we spend our money, and how we leverage our social capital. Our definition of allyship paraphrases a definition of unknown origin floating around the internet, a lifelong process of building relationships based on trust, consistency, and accountability. So on this episode, Cassie, you're going to talk about allyship with our operations and events manager, Becca Gorelick. Much of the work Becca carries out for our team and actually who she is as a human and the values she lives out embodies a lot of what we mean when we talk about allyship. Right. And later on in the show, you'll hear from Andy Conti of Point Park University in Pittsburgh about the work he's leading there and how it relates to a direction that we're actually heading in. For now, let's turn it over to Cassie and Becca. Hi, Becca. Hey, Cassie. Thanks for joining me. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a little chat about what it means to resolve to practice allyship, Mm. which is we didn't really make up the concept, right? But articulating it in this way is something that's new for us. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about what allyship means to you personally. And maybe a good place to start is how you came to resolve. So I don't come from a typical background that would land someone in a position that I'm in with Resolve as an operations manager. I did not go to college, so I did not graduate from college. And usually you need a degree. There are degree requirements for positions like this. And when I left high school, I realized that the way I was going to learn the most in the world was through experience. So to make money, I was a nanny for high net families, and I was a household manager. And that's sort of where my love for organization and charge and managing came from. And I realized that that was a skill that eventually I could sustain myself on. So I went from that and was very involved in community organizing as a child. And then through my teens and my coming of age, started branching out on my own outside of my family, exploring community organizations that dealt with issues that are part of my identity or my lived experience. So I do a lot of organizing and activism about queer lives, uh, about people of color, about indigeneity, and also mass incarceration. So through my organizing politically, um, through grassroots campaigns, and through my experience as a household manager, I developed this skill set that made me realize that I could take this places and do things. And so I actually started a home daycare and preschool with my partner, who's a special ed, early ed person. And uh, we started this program in Mount Airy when we moved back here from Portland, Oregon. And that is how I met Cassie and Jean. And sort of like through just sort of my experience as a community organizer, I know that building relationships is like the most important thing you can do for the sustainability of an organization. And so we became friends and Jean and I became friends and you and Jean became friends. And when sort of life circumstances presented themselves in a way where I realized I needed to do something other than just being at the daycare in my home, Cassie was like, wait, 
we're about to hire someone for this position. And I was like, well, I don't have a degree. And she was like, yeah, I know. We don't have a degree requirement. And it was sort of the first break I got where I didn't have to create a position for myself to make my place in the world. So that is how we ended up here. So, Becca, can you talk a little bit about how you're leading the practice of allyship and what that means in terms of our operations at Resolve? Yeah. So it's been a really interesting process for me to take this skill or it's not a skill. It's a belief system, right? Like this belief system informs the skills that I feel like I've cultivated for myself. And it's been really interesting to take these sort of like street level organizing skills and apply them to a business. It's a nonprofit, right? But it's a business that we run. So it's been interesting for me as my definition in my personal life of allyship. I use the word accomplice more than I do ally. That means for me, I put my money on the line. I put my body on the line. I put my resources on the line when it comes to how I show my allyship or accompliceship to people. And it's different when you're in a business, right? Like it transfers in that I'm able to make decisions in our operations but also in a much different way than I would in my personal life. I think one thing that's important to me, Cassie, that we've talked about is relationship building. So, you know, when we have a vendor, first of all, the way we choose a vendor is that we prioritize giving our money to Black businesses and giving our money to queer and trans-owned businesses and Indigenous-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, any minority, you know, any anyone who has systemically faced barriers to running and sustaining a thriving business is who we're prioritizing giving our money to. So in that way, that is how I live my life every day. That is how I choose to spend my money. And that is also how I choose to prioritize resource allocation and redistribution. And what's been super cool about Resolve is that it is the first job I've had that was like, resourced enough that we could make those decisions. Because in other organizing I've done, and in work I've done with other nonprofits in Philadelphia, we're not resourced enough to make those decisions. And so we have to make decisions in a reactionary way to how much money we have instead of being super intentional and have the ability to say, you know what, I know this is going to cost $100 more or, you know, whatever the number is, but this money is going to go to a small Philly-owned business by a Black queer woman instead of going to Amazon and ordering it there. So that has been kind of mind-blowing for me to just have the privilege. I feel like I should do a shout out to funders or something, but it's true. You know, the money that we get is being spent in a way that not everyone gets to choose to do. And it's really cool. It is really cool. And we don't just think it's cool. Our vendors think it's cool. So I know that you've had a number of conversations with caterers, with photographers, Mm -hmm. with, you know, different contractors and vendors that we've used to support our events and our operations. Can you talk a bit about what some of that feedback is and what the impact of this practice of allyship actually looks like in the community? First of all, it's such a lost art relationship building in businesses, right? Like we do everything on the internet, we order things online, we cater through Easy Cater, which, you know, shout out to Easy Cater, we do too sometimes. But also, you know, we build relationships with small vendors and we seek people out and they feel important. So 
it is this fantastic thing that we're resourced enough to make these intentional decisions about how we spend our money. You know, for example, one day, Cassie and I both came into the co-working space where we have previously been, and we had been talking about how we needed to order promotional materials. And we came in, and Cassie's like, look, I found a Black-owned promotional company that prints these things. And I was like, Cassie, look at what is on my browser. I found him, too, last night. And that's how we found Tony Jenkins, who is, like, the only Black-owned promotional material person in, like, very, very far places. And what's Um, Tony's company's name? Midwest Promo Source. Check Uh, them out. Check them out. And Tony's fantastic. He lets me know when he ships something. He lets me know by personal email, not by like an invoice or whatever. And then he's always like, well, Becca, how did it turn out? Will you please send me a picture of you or or your team with the promotional material? And I do. And he always thanks me. And we have this relationship now. He goes above and beyond because he feels honored that an organization is prioritizing spending their money that way. And he also then will send me an email and be like, hey, Becca, I'm sorry I told you it would be there today, but my daughter's in labor. And like, I don't think most organizations are getting emails like that anymore. Or they don't have organizations that are sending a card to that vendor to say, congratulations on your grandbaby. Which she did. Becca did that. (laughs) So... The feedback that Becca gets from vendors at events, the emails that I get, hey, can we get so-and-so's contact information? We'd love to hire them. They did a great job at your event. We track all of that in an attempt to tell a story about how this practice of allyship really has an impact on the community. So that's one of the things I really love about doing this work and specifically for Resolve is the way that we're so deliberate and intentional about these personal relationships and how we prioritize local relationships with business owners and vendors, community partners. Another way we practice allyship is by developing resources based on the collaborative solutions journalism model that Broken Philly partners have pioneered. We want to make these resources useful and accessible to journalists around the country, rather than parachuting in and launching new collaboratives ourselves. This is being a good ally. There's actually an organization in Pittsburgh headed up by Andy Conti that has implemented Resolve's model of collaborative journalism. Let's hear from Andy. My name is Andy Conti. I'm the director of the Center for Media Innovation at Point Park University. So we started out with just this idea that we were going to do some sort of collaborative reporting. And we actually brought Jean into Pittsburgh and she met with local media outlets here. And we spent several months just going over, like, what could a collaborative look like? So I think it's interesting the way it's evolved here in Pittsburgh. We started out thinking that it was going to be just the traditional media outlets probably would be the first ones at the table. And it's turned out to be almost the exact opposite, where it's the new media outlets and the community news organizations that are most interested in being part of this. And then we've been able to bring along some of the traditional media outlets to say, yeah, we want to be part of it as well. We're hoping that we can do a project that is bigger than any one media outlet could do on its own, much like you've done there with Resolve and with the Broken Philly project. You know, something that creates a community conversation that couldn't be done by just one media outlet. And then the second thing for us that I think is equally important is that it's going to create a forum where journalists can get together and share ideas. Because at a lot of the community organizations and a lot of the startups, 
you know, there might be one or two or, or three people, not a big group of, of people. And so they don't have opportunities to share ideas and bounce ideas off other people. And so we really see the Pittsburgh Media Partnership Project as something where people can come together and share ideas and collaborate, not just on the one idea that we're talking about. We think that's going to be great, but we think there's also an opportunity for a broader collaboration just on supporting journalism in southwestern Pennsylvania. What was great for us with Resolve was that they did something that was really innovative and brand new. And now there are a lot of places around the country that are trying to do the same thing. And so for us, when we're looking at doing collaborative reporting, it's like, well, we don't have to start from scratch. Let's look and see what Resolve has already done. And so I think having some sort of a a playbook that Resolve puts together that shows how it's worked for them is a good starting place for a lot of other cities to say, well, this is something we can start working on. We can start from what they've already learned, and then we can adapt it to what's useful for us because that's what's happening in Pittsburgh is we've looked at the Resolve model and we see a lot of things that we really love about it. And, and it's helped us with developing our our memorandum of understanding. It's helped us with developing how we're going to be awarding money, how we're going to have the different media outlets interact with each other. But at the same time, it's uniquely Pittsburgh, too. So we're putting our own spin on it. But I think because of the fact that Resolve was out there in front and the way they did this and the way that they were innovating with the ideas, that there's a lot to be learned for other communities. There's a lot of suspicion around the idea of collaboration, but I think the way that Resolve has done it, where media outlets are contributing their own individual pieces into something that becomes a whole that is larger than any one organization could do on its own is really important. And so it gives us a lot of hope looking at what Resolve has done and what we're trying to figure out what we're going to do in Pittsburgh. It gives us a lot of hope to look forward and say like, oh, hey, we can learn from that. We can build on that. So now that we've heard from Andy Conti from the Center for Media Innovation in Pittsburgh, can you tell me a little bit about what we're looking forward to in 2020? With respect to resource development and how Resolve is practicing allyship, we are super excited to partner with Solutions Journalism Network on the creation of a set of curriculum resources for newsrooms reporting on economic hardship. We are excited to kick off a professional development series for our newsroom partners, a portion of which will actually be delivered digitally and available to newsrooms and journalists across the country. And we're also excited to continue to build relationships locally with vendors, with contractors, among community members. And I think this part of our work is some of the most locally impactful. And we're looking forward to the events that we're hosting in 2020 and other opportunities to both invest in as well as amplify and showcase and feature the businesses that we are fortunate enough to partner with. Becca, thanks so much for having this conversation with me. Sure, I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to 2020 with Resolve. To find out more about Resolve Philly, you can check us out on the web at resolvephilly.org or follow us on Twitter at Resolve Philly. As always, we want to thank the folks who enable our work to happen on a daily basis, our fantastic funders. They are the Nightland Fest Local News Transformation Fund, Independence Public Media, the Solutions Journalism Network, Wincote Foundation, the News Integrity Initiative, the Kahneman Treisman Center for Behavioral Science and Public Policy at Princeton University, and the Philadelphia Foundation. 
And a big, huge thank you to our producers, Stephanie Marutis of Cuvenda Media and Brad Linder. Couldn't do it without you. Sure couldn't. 